Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. All right. Well, joining me this evening is Worshipful Carlos Diaz Jr., Howdy. Who is a past master and a grand, past Grand Lodge officer and an inspector. And so uh, we're going to spend a little time with Carlos and kind of pick his brain and get some information from him about his uh, Masonic career. Evening, Worship. Good evening, Worshipful. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for joining. This is awesome. It is. So let's see. So you're a past master. What year and lodge were you master of? Uh, past master in 2016, and that was Solomon Staircase, uh, lodge number 357 in Buena Park, California. All right. So 2016. Yeah. So thinking about your time uh, in the East, so what did you learn? Or like what, what stands out to you about your time of uh, being in the East as the master of the lodge? You know, there's a, there's a couple of things because there's what you learned as far as being a master, like the admin. For example, I didn't realize how much I was going to rely on the secretary and the, and the treasurer. You know, I kind of felt like they're important, like the other two lights, but I didn't realize for stated meetings, rem, uh, you know, remits, uh, you know, the high level admin, I didn't realize how much I would lean on them. And so that was like, you know, new to me, um, not so much in a bad way, you know, just learned quick, like after two times of talking with the secretary, like, yeah, I'm going to have to rely on this guy a little bit more than I thought. So that was, there was learning on that end. And then there was the learning of, um, you know, maybe it's self-development or being a little egoistic of, you know, what did I get out of it, which was a whole lot. And, um, it, in other words, it was more rewarding than I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was a plus. Um, but I did go into it with open eyes of this is my, this is my vision for the year. And, you know, I plan to fulfill it, uh, which was very inclusive of everyone. It wasn't necessarily about me. It was more so this is, uh, you know, the way the division I see for this year and how we can all benefit. Um, and I don't know if I ever shared it with you, but my main thing for my year was really, no matter what we did, is to put up a mirror to everyone's face of why are you doing this? Why are you here? Why do you pay dues? Why do you sit in traffic to come here? You know, what was your initial reason for being here? And the, the more I could kind of reinstill that into them and remind them of what that initial spark of, you know, desire was, then the better the year would be because it means everyone would get involved uh, in a way for themselves, but in, in a whole for the lodge. You know, does that make sense? Yeah. And didn't you have a theme for your year? Yeah, I did. I had it as legacy. And um, it really was, I know it sounds kind of like it's about me at first, but it really was about everyone. Because whether we like it or not, we're going to leave a legacy. So it's really yeah. a matter of, you know, are you going to control that narrative or are you going to let someone else control it? Or will there unfortunately be no legacy to speak of? 
And, you know, to a degree, we, we are all working on our legacy as Masons because of the philanthropy we do, the, you know, Masons for Mitts, Grand Lodge, Raising a Reader, whatever we do, you know, that is part of the legacy that we're working on. So, um, you know, we should try to leverage that and, and, you know, do the best we can. Yeah, I think there's an aspect of that where, you know, you don't have to ever be the master to still leave a legacy. I mean, you look at some of the guys from the lodge, and for those of you who don't know, but Carlos and I are both members of the same lodge. Um, yeah, you look at some of the guys from the lodge, you know, like Bob Harper, who was never mastered, but I mean, we still talk about him to this day and all the right. stuff he did and all the time he put in. And, you know, Steve Tubbs, who's been our Tyler for multiple years, and, you know, he may never decide to be mastered, but he's left a legacy. I mean, everybody knows Steve and, and you know, he got some of the stuff going on Google and, you know, he, he started some of the social media things as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, you don't have to have, you don't have to be a master to be, in, to have an impact as well as you don't need to be a master to lead because there's several guys in our lodge and even within our district that get, they have great leadership uh, skills and qualities. And it doesn't mean you have to be a master to have it or to wait till you're in the Oriental chair in the East in order to uh, showcase it or share it with others. Mm -hmm. So would you ever be interested in going into the East again if the opportunity came up? Well, I would love to. Yeah, I would love to. I think I, I think I will again at some point, you know. Um, and of course, if the opportunity is there to do it, you know, I would definitely prefer someone else do it if they haven't done it before. But I wouldn't mind doing it, you know, right before I got appointed inspector. Well, you were in the East and I was in the West and that was the plan. And in March, when I was appointed of 2020, it was kind of like, oh, I can't, <laughs> I can't serve in the East <laughs> and be inspector. Uh, I don't know if it's so much CMC, like you just can't, you know, uh, or if it's just, it's just really not the thing to do. I think it's a little bit of both, honestly, but I'd have to look at the code, but um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, way too much. But uh, unfortunately I was getting ready to do that the following year, but um, it's kind of a funny story, right? Cause wasn't it, uh, I was going to be in the East again for, I don't know, my fourth or fifth time, um, fourth time, I think. And you were going to be installed as the senior warden. And we had the grandmaster was going to do the oh, installation. Right. And didn't the grandmaster call you up and say, uh, Carlos, you, you can't be senior warden if you're the inspector. Right. And, and we just never even had a chance to think about that because we were thinking of so many other things. Uh, he was actually the installing officer. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, he was looking at the, the, the agenda, I guess, you know, months in advance. And he was like, wait a minute, aren't you the, uh, cause he was, it was obviously his year and he was like, didn't I just appoint you <laughs> as inspector? <laughs> I can't install you as senior warden. So yeah, a couple of, uh, chairs got shuffled. Yep. Hey, we hope we make do. Yeah. Made it happen. All right. Let's see. Um, I'm going to jump down to a different question here. So as you were working through the degrees, what stood out to you the most? So in your Masonic career, before becoming an officer, as you were coming up, what stood out? Um, I think that was one of my greatest rewards, I think, as a Mason was, it, you know, we had seen so many degrees, we knew some of the, some of the lines, we had memorized it. But it wasn't until, um, I guess, you know, senior warden, I don't know why not so much junior warden, but not till senior warden and especially se uh, master is, you know, those nights of rehearsing and hours of memorizing, 
where, you know, the objective is to memorize and remember it. But every once in a while, I would read something or I'd get a nugget <laughs> of something I've read millions of times. And it's just like, whoa, and it would hit me. And it would be something that was just, you know, a Masonic lesson, a teaching, uh, something related with spirituality where, you know, it just, it resonated at that moment. And, and maybe a few times during the degree as well, but it, it was really when I started memorizing, you know, every uh, obligation, every lecture, every opening, all that stuff is when things really started um, resonating with me more than anything. And that, and sometimes when I tell people, you know, yeah, you should definitely entertain the thought of being a, the master of the law. It's not just so much for being the master. It's not for the title, but I think that's when it really starts hitting you more is because you start dissecting the words or you read something that that hits you different than it ever did and maybe first you know at that point is when it starts making sense maybe and before it was just kind of like all right i don't i don't really get it at face value but i'm you know i kind of get it and maybe you start discovering it more when you ascend to the east and maybe that's by design who knows yeah i i'm with you i know there's times where you know you learn lectures you learn the ritual and stuff and you're going through and same things happened to me a couple of times. I'll be going through something and I'll, I used to walk in my office at night. So when I worked closer to the lodge, a lot of times on degree nights, I would cut it off at five o'clock and I would literally pace the office by myself and I would yeah. go through lectures and every now and then I would be like pacing it would stop like, oh my God, I get it. I, it just came to me what that really means. Yeah. And, and you know what, to, just to build on that, if we go full circle, you know, if, if you're memorizing and you're going to confer the degree and you're going to, you know, deliver the lecture or a staircase lecture, whatever it might be, it's like, that's, that's also when you might be uh, instilling and as, as you should, you know, to impress upon his mind, you might be really instilling something on the candidate. And the reason why I say it's full circle is because, and I've said this many a times, I swear, when I got the staircase lecture from you on my second degree, I was like literally mind blown. I had heard, you know, Chuck do the, uh, you know, the degree lecture and all that. He does it very well. But for some reason, that staircase lecture, and, and I think it was what you said, how you said it, but it was the way you delivered it. And it was just smooth and it made sense. But honest to God, like to this day, that is still the best staircase lecture I've ever heard or seen conferred. And so... If you, and I know you weren't master then, but even if you as a lodge officer, or especially as a, as the master of the lodge, if you can impress upon someone like, wow, you know, uh, whether it be they got it, they understood it, or that's what they desire to be, you know, in the coming years. Um, I think that's where you plant the seed, in other words. Yeah, no, I agree. And thank you for that. I, yeah. I love the senior deacon role is to me is, is probably, you know, besides the masters is the most fun to do. Definitely. You're so involved in every degree and every ritual. Yeah, those two were the most, uh, that's when I had the most, when I did senior deacon, I was like, this is like the favorite chair for me. And then as I went through, it wasn't until the East where I was like, okay, this was also, uh, and maybe it leveraged it just a little bit more because it's in the East, but well, it's funny, they're both in the East, but you know, the, the responsibility was greater being in the east as the master versus uh in the northeast yep so let's see what's something uh it could be masonic or non-masonic what's something about you that most people don't know that you're willing to share um 
I think you might know, but I'm somewhat of a go-getter. I, I really have to do things above and beyond, not necessarily for anyone else or not necessarily for me either, but it just has to be above and beyond just for the experience, I think. And that, I, what I mean by that is work, um, what, I, what I do on my own. Um, some things that people probably don't know about me is that I used to draw a lot, like a, like a lot, a lot, even like in high school, um, you know, junior high, I would sometimes like during the summer, I'd stay up all night just drawing. Like I really enjoyed drawing. I would draw people. I would draw landscape. Uh, I would draw like graffiti on paper, <laughs> never really tagged up, but I just thought it was really cool. And I, I guess the other thing I like too, is I would figure out what is it I like about that? Like graffiti, for example, like, you know, hip hop break dancing when it first started but like graffiti was something i would look at and be like that's pretty cool like what is it i like about it i would dissect it and i, and I would create my own style when i would drew, when i would draw and um music is another thing i really really like a lot um you know i i did music i did music production i would be in the studio i would do my own music i'd work with other artists work with their music so that's something that, I, that a lot of people were just really they wouldn't even know if i told them a lot of people don't know that I was really heavy into music, but, um, you know, it's to me, but if you think about it, drawing and having the control to draw whatever you want. And I drew pretty good. Like I would draw people like realistic, like sketch art, and it would look like them, but like music, drawing, and you see how funny that kind of relates with masonry, but, you know, the arts, um, it's cool to like, you know, see something that looks nice or, or, or compose something that sounds pretty cool but there, there's a little bit of science behind that, you know, but to have the freedom to absolutely create anything from scratch, um, I think that's powerful. And maybe a lot of people don't, uh, uh, you know, they don't realize it as much. And sometimes it could be that powerful with you and your, you know, child or you and your spouse, but, um, you know, moments, experiences, art, uh, memories, to me, that's, that's pretty profound. And um, I don't know, for me, I, I look at that and it's, uh, it's very, very interesting. It should be appreciated more rather than just something that happened, you know? Yeah. And then for those who don't know, Carlos did the little opening uh, intro music and does the intro to our podcast. Yeah. Carlos used to do, he did the trestle board for several years. And I would say to this day, I'd still say that when Carlos was doing the trestle board, it rivaled the California Freemason magazine. Yeah, you know, I like that because I like that minimalist look and it was something that is my style anyways. Uh, but yeah, the, the trestle board, we had honorable mention one year and then the following year we did actually win the best trestle board. And then, uh, you know, you had started the social media for our lodge, which is great. And we got recognized the first year, but I think we won two, two years, I think best social media for you know, the Blue Lodges in California, and then an honorable mention another year. Yeah, I think, I think we won it two years in a row, and then a third year honor, honorable mention. Then after that, I think they just said, all right, don't even let them apply anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Let's let somebody else win it. But you know what, even graphic design and just stuff like that, again, that that's associated with art as well, you know, or with drawing or graphic design, you know, just creating things from scratch, because a lot of the stuff we would do in those magazines, the articles and the interviews I would do with like Zach and, you know, uh, Steve Tubbs, John McCarger, like all those interviews we did, but the graphics and the designs, even some of the designs for your podcast, you know, the microphone with the wavelength over it, like all of that is, 
you know, I, I would think of the subject or the topic or what image came to my mind about that person or that, that article. And that's what I would come up with. And even the theme for every trestle board, but, you know, again, art, some of the liberal arts that we, that we study. Yeah. Actually, it's funny. I should lean on you more because uh, I, I challenged Carlos. I don't know. Well, at some point last year, I had an idea for a theme for a trestle board and oh, I yeah. just pitched it to him. And, and all of a sudden he's like, here, what about something like this? I was like, dang, come <laughs> it, that guy is good. <laughs> it's good to be challenged. That's it. So like, let's see. How about a uh, Grand Lodge officer? So your term as a Grand Lodge officer, how did it start? How were you notified? You know, like how did they, the uh, upcoming worship or most worshipful, how did, how did he kind of approach you about that whole process? Um, let me see, I'm gonna try to summarize this as best as I can. Um, it's kind of funny because, uh, was it Dave Perry? Somebody at one of the retreats we had in Irvine, somebody said, hey, have you met Bruce Galloway? And I said, no. And he was like, oh, and it was on Sunday. So, you know, the, the retreats we have out here for like Master and Wardens, it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, so we were in Irvine and uh, he was like, oh, like, don't leave. Like, don't go anywhere. And he was looking for him. And, you know, everyone's just kind of like shuffling out. And so I was like, OK. So he found him. He introduced me to him. And we talked for like literally like four or five minutes. And he was like, oh, OK, it was great to meet you. <laughs> And I didn't think nothing of it. And about a month and a half, he had emailed me and he was back in town because he was from Northern California, uh, way up in Northern California. And um, I met with him and he wanted to meet Christy as well. So I met him and his wife, Gay, and that's when he asked. Um, and so it was great. Um, and that was in 2018. But what was really amazing about that, I was the grand standard bearer. And what was really cool about that is I heard from one of the past uh, the other former Grand Lodge officers, just, just go to everything you can, go to as much as you can, anything. And I was like, you know what, you're right. Because how often are you ever going to be a Grand Lodge officer? And I went to, you know, the um, lodges getting their charter, um, you know, went to the Green Dragon in Oceanside, uh, went up north, uh, went to the Oakland Scottish Rite, we did a festive board, it was very, very cool. So there was a lot of experiences that it was just very cool to meet a lot of new brothers learn the stories behind them or their lodge, um, you know, travel, of course. We went to Wairika uh, up north and we literally saw the third degree in a cave, um, which was very cool. I'd heard of it, but yeah, so we, they do that every other year. And so that was really cool. Um, but I mean, they literally have bleachers inside the side of a cave that's just, just hollowed out. And they've done it for so many years that by the, well, I'm not gonna say too much, but there's a certain part of the degree where, you know, the sun, it starts in the afternoon, like late afternoon, evening. And, you know, they, they've done it so many times that they time it where, you know, it, it's, it's nightfall at that point and the moon is usually out and all that stuff. So it's just really, really cool. So, um, you know, you got to see some, some good events, meet people and it's a great experience, you know. So would you do it again if they asked you? Um, you know what? A couple of us were talking about that in Orange County, uh, I don't know, two years ago or so. And we were just kind of talking about it, guys from Saddleback and whatever. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if I would, um, because I think it's so cool. Other people should experience it. And then not too long ago, I, I don't know where I was. Maybe I was up at the retreat in Lake Tahoe where somebody was talking about that. And, and um, I don't know what popped in my head, but I guess I was just thinking about before you know, like if you got asked, but I didn't think about, well, it depends on who's asking, right? 
And it's just as special that that person, if they were a grand master, like they're never going to be a grandmaster again, whereas you might be a grand lodge officer again. Yeah. And I thought, well, I never thought of that. Like, depends on who asks you, you know, it would be very, very special if it was a very close friend of yours versus, you know, somebody, you know, um, obviously as, a, as just one of the you know higher ups and all that. But, and so I don't know, I was just kind of like, well, yeah, I guess I had to consider it more that in that situation. So um, I don't know. I guess in, if it ever gets asked, I'll, I'll worry about it then. But till then, I'm you know I'm I'm grateful that I did get to experience it. Oh, that's cool. So you you covered several things. So what is your favorite memory from your time as a uh, Grand Lodge officer? As a Grand Lodge, you know I do enjoy traveling, um, but I think one of the first times because when a Grand Lodge when a Grand Master's inst uh, installed. Um, after the after annual communication in October, he has 90 days to issue all the charters of the new lodges. So by January, he's done. And what they usually do is they will do most of the Northern California ones first, and then the Southern California ones towards you know the last 30 days. And I think they plan their, their travel around that, although they may be down here uh, before the 90 days. So the reason why I say that is because most of the charters that were issued in 2018 were up in uh, Northern California. And so what was kind of cool about that is, you know, I flew into Oakland. We did a charter there. The next day we drove to like, wow, it was like past Vallejo, um, Benicia, I believe. And we, we issued their charter there. And then we drove back to the city and did one there and I just stayed the night there but it was that travel that was kind of cool you know even if it was in a major city like Oakland or San Francisco it's like yeah I'm familiar and I grew up in the Bay Area so I'm familiar with it but when you go out to Benicia you know and in all those areas and you go to charter those lodges and you meet those brothers that's what's really cool about it that's the travel that that is very unique um, even guys I've met out here in Palm Springs or you know 29 Palms and all that like you meet guys where it's like you just get that instant connection and it's very, very cool. I would say the traveling and the meeting new guys was the best part of being a Grand Lodge officer. Cool. Sorry. Right. So my, my next question is it's, it's very directed. So at, um, I forget what, well, I think it was the year. Yeah. It was the year that you were a, the grand standard bearer. And so it would have been at the, the annual communication when the, the new oh, yeah. master has been coming in. And as everybody was coming on stage, everybody was dropping off these little toy, like plastic bees on uh, now most worshipful John Troner's podium or lectern. So, so what was the story behind that? Oh, yeah, I do remember that. Um, I don't remember what it was. I wanted to, it's, okay, I think I know what it was. I want to say it was like a bee, but I can't remember what the story was behind that. But I think it was actually, these little like um, keychain trinkets, which was, which, which <laughs> aligned with his story of the three-legged pig, if you ever heard that. Oh, yeah. And I think somebody found those and they bought a bunch of them. So what everyone did is they went up there and they would drop it off. And it's a story he has about his ranch where he had a three, and it's, <laughs> he says it's, he says it's real, but it, I think it's just a fictional story to make everyone laugh because he tells a story and at the end, it's just hilarious. But uh, I think it had to do with a three-legged pig. And I think that's what everybody put up there. I, I don't know. I'd have to ask someone just to double check. Yeah. Well, and the three-legged pig, if you remember when he did uh, my installation, the 
first time he did my installation, which yeah, I think yeah. was 19, maybe. Uh, yeah. yeah, had been 19 because in 20, it was virtual. So yeah, in 2019, afterwards, I gave him a, a stuffed pig, right. but I chopped off one of the legs. So I gave him a stuffed three-legged pig, you know, with a lodge pin attached to the ear. So, right. so he wouldn't lose the lodge pin. Yeah, that was a funny story because even at that point, you know, I asked him to tell it during the dinner after the installation, and it was like half of the Grand Lodge officers were like, oh, God, not again. Yeah, that's funny. I think that's what it was. That's what I'm going to go with, at least. All right. Let's <laughs> see. So um, you're an inspector. So you're currently our inspector of the 905th Masonic District. So how, how did that come about? Um, I had talked to... Um, Art Salazar and Charles Cross uh, about a year and a half before it happened and it was just they, they threw it out at me as a joke and then after a while they were like no but seriously you know at some point <laughs> and it was like oh okay and um, but it was very just a casual conversation so I was like you know all right you, you know me I'm very laid back I'm like if it ever happens it happens a year and a half had passed where I just forgot about it I mean a year later I forgot about it so I just didn't even think about it. And so all of a sudden I got an email in March, early March from our AGL in San Diego, which is John Crago. And it was an, uh, uh, an email. You know what? Now that I think about it, I may have gotten a little bit of a heads up in December uh, because somebody asked me to go to the past master's association degree in uh, Pasadena, uh, but I couldn't make it. I was out of town. And they said, somebody wants to meet you. And that's when I think I maybe connected the dots. But again, it had already been a year, you know, or a little over a year. So I was like, whatever, it's probably gonna be another year. But it was in March when I got the email from John. I think that's who wanted to meet me in Pasadena. And it was basically, you know, you've been appointed. And I was like, oh, wow, you know, like, this is cool. And um, four days later, everything shut down because of COVID. So yeah, <laughs> as I always say, that was the smoothest transition for any inspector because <laughs> I didn't jump straight into the frying pan. It, it gave me a while to kind of, and in that week, funny thing is that week I visited your Belinda. They had an audit that night. So I went there, talked to all of them and the previous inspector was there. So we got to chat. So I got to your Belinda Tuesday. I went to Orange Grove. They had a third degree practice. So I went there and met everybody Wednesday. Um, I went to Anaheim. They had a first degree. So I went to that lodge and then I believe you were out of town and I sat in as master for our lodge and your Belinda and us meet on the same night, but since they didn't meet that night, that week, they had their audit. That's how I was able to meet with them. And so I really met, I went to every single lodge that week and uh, Don was there, our, our previous inspector and I knew, and he knew. And so I talked to him earlier at dinner, like, Hey, um, you know, during, since you get the last word, do you want to announce it or do you want me to? And he says, well, I get the last word. And, you're replacing me. I might as well say it. And so I was like, all right, cool. And then, uh, yeah, the next day, Friday is when everything shut down. So I just kind of met with everyone virtually, um, and just really learned a lot of stuff I didn't know. And I think that's why it was a blessing because there was just a lot of like admin stuff I wasn't aware of, or like, where do I find that document? Where do I get this? And so that helped me out. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll never complain about that transition. I think it was cool. <laughs> So let's see. So you've talked a little bit about the admin portion. So what are some of the duties of an inspector? Um, you know, worst case, it's just basically help 
guide some of the lodges that if they have issues. Um, but, uh, you know, the main, the main thing, and it's funny you say that because one of the things we've been talking about at Grand Lodge and AGLs and inspectors is really, and I've told this with all my lodges, I'm not there to dictate your lodge. It's your lodge. I'm a fly on the wall, you know, like you guys run it your way. You know, you know, the guidelines and it, there's a lot of things you can leverage in there. It's not, you must do this. You must do that. It's you shall, you can. And so it gives you a lot of leeway to do things the way you want. And every lodge should have their own fingerprint. I'm very, I'm a big proponent about that. So um, it's not to govern or do a white glove inspection. And they know that. I think everyone realizes that now by me, it's like, I'm there to be a cheerleader. Like, how can I help you? And that's the way it should be. Um, but that being said, there are things like quarterly report, review of books, which a lot of people translate as an audit, but it's a, <laughs> it's a review of books. And, and a lot of that stuff I've told guys, like, it's not for me to oversee you guys, but it's for, you know, we are a nonprofit when you think about it. Yeah. And if you don't do these things, you lose your status, you lose your charter, maybe you lose your ability to conduct yourself as a blue lodge, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why a lot of these things are in place. It's not for oversight. It's really just to kind of help you guys, um, you know, stay on point and make sure that you don't, um, you know, have any issues. And then, of course, just uh, I think what's helped a lot of lodges, they've told me, is that I give them just a lot of reminders with the weekly or monthly emails. Like, hey, at the end of, like, for example, June, you know, at the end of this month, by the 30th, you need to input all your remits into iMember. So little things like that, you know, March, you should do this. By August, you should have your second, you know, financial report um uh, address to the lodge things like that so some of the new time masters really appreciate that because they're not aware of it so it's a great checklist yeah it's actually it's a wonderful reminders because i mean i think a lot of us who who've been master kind of say you know you don't really get it right till the second time around because the yep. first time you're, you're kind of learning all the stuff you need to do and then if you're master a second time you kind of go okay i got yeah i got to remember i got to do all this stuff so yeah the reminders are, are wonderful right all right, so let's see, the two, two things. What's the hardest thing you've had to do as an inspector and the best thing? So on the hardest thing, obviously, you know, we don't want to say any particular lodge or, or brother, but what's the hardest thing and the best thing you've gotten to do as an inspector? Um, the hardest, not so much the hardest, but it's really just kind of staying on, on guys. Like, hey, uh, have you done this? Have you submitted that? And, um, you know, they kind of drag their feet and I get it. I mean, I did it, we've done it, you know, so I, I don't take that personally or I don't come down hard on them, but. It's just really a lot of gentle reminders. And one was like, you know, hey, well, we're going to convene if we don't get that submitted. And what that means is everyone has to show up. If a lodge convenes, it's by someone's request. And so just by saying that, they're like, okay, you know what? Some of the, uh, one of the past masters was like, no, nah, I know we got to do, you know what? Let me, let me corral the guys. I'll do it. So I was like, cool. That was about the hardest. And again, it, it, it probably sounds worse than what it really was. It was just very amicable. The best thing I think was really um, our district OSIs, which are Officer School of Instructions. It's been a combination of, you know, deep diving onto a degree or examining an obligation or something like that, but also including Masonic education or something that is not just, you know, lecturing. Um, so sometimes the officers will get in place and they'll do their thing or we'll rehearse something or a certain section or we're going to deep dive and explain like, here's what that means. And then sometimes we integrate uh, Masonic education and what's been great about that what I've got so much pleasure out of is you know for the past year or so a lot of the stuff we've done for Masonic education has been new stuff that a lot of the majority of the guys weren't aware of didn't know 
they didn't realize it or, oh, no one's ever pointed that out to me. So I think that's beneficial. And that's the bottom line. It's not to, you know, hear how smart I am or whatever, or do this, or this is the absolute truth. You know, like it's, everything we do is really a, into interpretation on how you see it, but it's good to kind of like at least just spark thought and just kind of make them consider like, wow, I never looked at it that way. So the Masonic education we've done so far has been really good and, and useful. And uh, actually in a week, we'll be doing it again and we'll be hosting it at our lodge. So that should be really good. Very cool. You know, one of the things that um, we did it a couple times during the pandemic was, you know, we would do Masonic education online. And, you know, like we had the district mm -hmm. deputy grandmaster from, I don't remember which state, Ohio, I think it was, uh, yeah. came on and did a presentation for us. And, you know, that might be something as, as long as it's not esoteric, you know, maybe we can record a couple of those and use those for podcasts as well. Yeah. It's true. I think a lot of guys enjoyed that. Yeah. It's, it's something I think everybody, you know, kind of says, you know, it, it's nice to get something a little bit different. It's cool to just come down and come down and hang out, but that, that education and, and pointing something out in a little different way than people have seen it. I think everybody kind of, you know, we all came into it for that reason, you know, in some aspects. Right. So, so it helps. Yeah. Well, Warshi, I think we're probably right about at the end of time. Cool. Um, but I'm almost thinking like we could do a whole nother round of this. Oh my God. We do an hour. I, but, I think uh, so. Per, per your request though, I am going to do a couple of reading articles or even just, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah about <laughs> my, my insight on certain things. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll put it up in the future uh, podcast. So as a different episodes, uh, that way we can mix it up and, you know, talk about things that are in relation with masonry philosophy and so on. All right. And then since uh, since I'm up now in northern Nevada and you're down there, if you can help me kind of prod some of the other guys to do the same thing, you know, like John McCarker, who's just he does so much studying on this. Yep. Just We just need to help him with the technology to get some recordings done of himself. And uh, yeah, we'll really kind of, you know, jazz up the podcast even more. Sounds good. Yeah, I'll definitely show him and I'll have him upload those to you. My brother, my worshipful brother, my good friend. I thank you so much for your time. I miss you guys. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate this. And, you know, it's great that we get to kind of share these thoughts with other people. But yeah, great job, Aaron. You're doing an amazing job. And as everybody knows, you've got a ton of downloads and it's, it's gaining so much traction. So let's, uh, let's optimize it. Yep, very cool. Well, thank you, sir. And I'll catch you on the flip-flop. All right, man. My best to you and, and Pam. All right, thanks, bud. See ya. See Bye. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.